Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox. I'm the Compliance Evangelist, and I'd like to welcome you to this special five-part podcast series sponsored by Affiliated Monitors, which celebrates Affiliated Monitors' 15 years in business as the first entity specializing in independent integrity monitoring. Founded in 2004, Affiliated Monitors provides independent integrity monitoring and ethics and compliance assessments nationally and internationally and across almost all industries. With its knowledge of effective ethics and compliance programs and cultures, Affiliated Monitors is respected for its work as the corporate monitor on matters ranging from multinational corporations to small and mid-sized companies and even individuals. Having served in nearly 750 monitorships, no one has more experience as an independent monitor than the team at Affiliated Monitors. For more information on how an independent monitor can help improve your company's ethics and compliance programs, visit this podcast series sponsor, Affiliated Monitors, at www.affiliatedmonitors.com. Over this five-part podcast series, I visit with Vin DeCiani, the president, founder, and CEO of Affiliated Monitors, and we talk about and celebrate the history of Affiliated Monitors. In our first podcast, we look at the idea which DeCiani formed, which led to the founding of Affiliated Monitors. In episode two, we discuss the early days of Affiliated Monitors. In episode three, we talk about the expanded use of independent monitoring. In episode four, we consider the marriage of independent monitoring and ethics and compliance programs. And we wrap up with episode five about Affiliated Monitors growth. It's a fascinating exploration that I know you will enjoy if you want to learn about the history of not simply monitoring, but the way regulators think about the ethics and compliance programs that we all work on. This is Tom Fox. This special five-part podcast series on the history of affiliated monitors is a special presentation of the Compliance Podcast Network. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox, back for another episode in the history of Affiliated Monitors. As always, I'm joined by Vin DeCiani, the president and founder of Affiliated Monitors. Vin, welcome. Thank you, Tom. Nice to be with you again. And today I wanted to explore the marriage of independent monitoring and ethics and compliance programs. Uh, It seems to me that when independent monitoring was created, the focus was on practices, accounting, legal, regulatory compliance. But at some point, that really changed uh, to more robust legal compliance. I was wondering if you could detail for us how and when you saw that change. Sort of an interesting evolution, if you will. When we started Affiliated, our first cases were in healthcare, and we worked with practitioners I can remember um, we did um, uh, a number of practitioners, chiropractors, uh, MDs, um, and the the first monitoring that we did really focused on, for the chiropractors, it was billing and coding and over-utilization of services. So it was not so much focused on, uh, you know, ethics and compliance, but it was focused on, if you will, compliance with regulatory requirements and in this case, billing standards, started to evolve, believe it or not, with the Massachusetts Chiropractic Board um, that um, had a number of cases um, of young providers who um, really didn't understand the regulations. And so they started as part of their sanction when an, an individual chiropractor was allowed to stay in practice 
as part of the monitorship, um, the, the, uh, the chiropractor had to implement a compliance program. And we were, so, we were drafting compliance programs. Compliance programs, there were the elements of conflicts of interest and codes of conduct that you would you know, put into that kind of thing. That was sort of the, the very beginnings of sort of the ethics and compliance elements um, that we were seeing. Now, this is early on. This is 2004, 5, 6, um, it, it, only in the chiropractic space. If we were monitoring for a medical board or a dental board, it was all of that regulatory compliance. You know, did you meet the regulatory standards? On the federal side, we started to see this being implemented. Um, and, and as I told you, we did a uh, this AML case, and that was very much on you know uh, anti money laundering controls. Some of it had to do with conflicts of interest. Some of it had to do with code of conduct. Again, early beginnings, right, uh, of of that kind of thing. Over time, then. Um, it just evolved to be much more of a concentration um, for government agencies. Um, and so when we started to do some of the suspension and debarment work that we do with the federal government um, in the, you know, like 2010, 11, 12 timeframe, they very much were focused on sort of ethical considerations. You know, a lot of the work that we did early on for the Air Force suspension department official and the Navy suspension department official um, involved, you know, there was wrongdoing, you know, on a, on a corporate level, but it, it didn't, you know, sort of reach that threshold of bringing a criminal case. So administratively, they would use the suspension and debarment um, uh, rules uh, to um, have companies um, demonstrate, which is the requirement under the FAR, that they were presently responsible contractors. And so present responsibility in the eyes of the, the suspension and debarment officials included ethical um, considerations. So did you have a code of ethics? You know, did you have a compliance and ethics program that had training, you know, that had a disciplinary process, that had investigative tools, that perhaps had a reporting hotline? Um, and then, you know, what was the ethical culture like? You know, so as we're doing all of this work, we're seeing, we are, and I'm calling it a marriage, we're starting to see lots of different agencies picking up on the elements of what the suspension and debarment officials are doing and federal and other regulators are doing. Um, and it sort of became the norm, right? And so a lot of monitoring that we do now um, is not just focused on legal compliance or, you know, regulatory compliance, but now has all of these elements of ethics and codes of ethics and compliance requirements. I mean, it's sort of an interesting evolution, and I know you've seen it as well, right? Let me turn the focus a little bit. We saw a series of memos come out literally uh, almost over 10 years, I would say, uh, and some spoke directly to monitorship, some tangentially. But I wanted to uh, ask you about those because these are always a topic of conversation amongst the compliance professional and the compliance profession. So we started off with the Monford memo. Uh, then we had the Yates memo. And this year, or excuse me, in 2018, we had the Binkowski memo. And I wanted to ask you uh, what has been the impact on affiliated monitors of these three memos? The, so the, the Morford memo, when it came out, um, obviously um, had a lot of um, commentary on it, right? Because it was the first time 
that the notion of monitoring was um, in any way um, sort of spelled out, right? And we know that the Morford Memo was really giving direction to DOJ uh, attorneys on the selection of monitors and sort of what the monitor was supposed to do and recording, reporting requirements and all of those kinds of things. I have to tell you, when we created Affiliated in 2004, we were built on the Morford principles. So like four years before, we already were doing those things, right, um, in terms of how monitors got selected and how we, you know, found our subject matter experts and the type of um, sort of standards that we held ourselves to, independent, you know, professional, those kinds of things. So the Morford Memo, in a lot of ways, was a great, I, I want to say sort of a, um, a push for affiliated. It, 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 it allowed us to point to um, a particular document out of DOJ that were sort of guidance for the selection of monitors, and that's who we were. The other thing about the Morpher Memo is um, when it came out, I wrote a, an article um, it got published, I think, in, by the Healthcare Compliance Association or the American Health Lawyers Association on how the principles of the Morford Memo could be applicable way outside of just DOJ criminal matters, criminal corporate matters, and how the, the principles could be applied in any situation where a monitor could be used. Um, and so I think the Morford Memo was, was actually uh, a great benefit for affiliated. I think it expanded the, the appreciation of monitorships um, and gave um, other agencies the, the idea of um, for using monitors. The Yates memo um, didn't impact us all that much um, because we're still monitoring corporate and individuals. So that, that one didn't affect us so much. It wasn't so focused on monitoring, um, you know, as, as the Morford memo was. But the Benkowski memo, as we did in a previous I've talked about in a previous podcast, did have an impact and does have an impact on us. And we think again in a good way, right? So um, the Benkowski memo talks about sort of um, limiting um, the use of monitors to only certain situations when it's warranted. But it does give uh, companies um, sort of the incentive to go out and evaluate their own ethics and compliance programs. And it does um, sort of uh, compel them to strengthen those programs so that if they are ever confronted with an investigation or some kind of disclosure that brings them to DOJ, they can demonstrate um, that they have strong programs and you know, perhaps get special consideration. That is, is really a good part of our work today. You know, uh, we've talked about the fact that affiliated does a lot of work on the monitoring side of the fence, but we also do a lot of work on the proactive side. So helping companies, um, you know, evaluate their programs to see where they're strong, to see if they have uh, certain weaknesses. So the Benkowski memo, I think, again, is another impetus for us um, to get out there and let people know and let companies know that you don't have to do it on your own. That, that there, there are entities out there that can help them, you know, strengthen their programs. So I think each memo in its own way has had some impact on us. 
Well, Ben, unfortunately, we are near the end of our time, but I've been visiting with Ben DiCiani, the founder and president of Affiliated Monitors. Today, we looked at the marriage of independent monitoring and ethics and compliance programs. I hope you will join us for our final episode tomorrow, where we sort of wrap things up and look at some of the key themes that started Affiliated Monitors and have grown with Affiliated Monitors over its 15-year history. Ben, I frankly can't wait to hear your thoughts tomorrow. So thank you, and I look forward to continuing the conversation. Thanks, Tom. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox. If you'd like more information on Affiliated Monitors, check out their website, www.affiliatedmonitors.com. I hope you will join me again tomorrow for our next episode in this fascinating and celebratory five-part podcast series on the 15 years of Affiliated Monitors, which details the history of not only independent monitoring, but ethics and compliance programs. This is Tom Fox. I'm the Compliance Evangelist. This podcast series is a special presentation of the Compliance Podcast Network. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.